0: Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me as always is my brother Alex. Alex, how are we doing? Doing well. Happy to be here. Well, Alex, often when we think of Christian singing and gathered worship, we're we're inclined to think primarily of the topic of of praise, praising God. But we tend to neglect other things that are happening when we sing. I think of we're teaching and instructing one another. We often lament or we pledge ourselves to the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the most important elements of Christian singing is prayer, so we're, we want to discuss today the place of prayer and petition in Christian singing, but before we do, we want to talk more broadly about worship. Why does prayer matter in gathered worship? Why does it matter? Well,
1: I, I would start by acknowledging that it's it's required. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, I desire that in every place uh, the men... Lift holy hands to the Lord. This is in the context of an epistle written to Timothy about how he is, First Timothy 3.15, to conduct himself in the household of God. There's to be prayers offered, and uh, those prayers are to be made on behalf of all men. And so it's, it's the revealed will of God that we're to pray when we gather. And, and this is what the gatherings, the assemblies of God, um, lowercase a, have been doing for since the beginning, when when God's people under the old covenant gathered, prayer mm. prayer was a feature of their worship, and it's certainly a, a feature of uh, New Covenant worship as well, as, as just a matter of the revealed will of God. And so, um, uh, now why does it matter? I, I, I suppose I would say because um, God hears us, mm. God God receives us, mm. and He He wants us to communicate with Him in the context of worship you know it, it, and it's not if there were no prayer no singing i suppose the worship event would be largely one-sided it would be god speaking to us through his word so so when when a sermon is preached or the scriptures are read assuming it's done correctly god is communicating to his people yes you know let him who speaks speak as the oracles of god 1st peter 4
0: yeah, I, I, this kind of betrays the assumption that when we gather to worship, we're we're it's a spectator event. It, it, worship is not something that we come to just see happen. We see a show put on display, but rather we're we we're, we're interacting with the Almighty God. Yes, think, it's, it's deeply personal, and yes. and I guess too,
1: we're not here to watch the six or seven most passionate ones among us worship God. Yeah, being the six or seven who are up on stage. Yeah, it's a full contact event, and. I suppose prayer and singing is one of the ways in which our voices are employed, our hearts are
0: engaged, and we say words back to God. One of the most helpful uh, books I've read on the topic of worship is David Peterson's book, Engaging with God. Mm -hmm. I think that's just such a helpful title to think of uh, worship generally, you know, my personal walk with Christ. But also when I gather with God's people, we are gathered for a purpose, and that is to engage engage with a holy God.
1: Well, and don't you think it's such a wonderful thing that part of God's worship, part of the the way he's revealed he, he wants to be worshiped by us mm-hmm. is for us to ask God for things. Hmm. I don't mean like Mercedes-Benz and big TVs. I mean, he wants us to make prayers and supplications and petitions and to pray for the salvation of people and for our leaders and those in authority over us to pray about our needs and that going to him like a child to a father is reckoned an act of worship. Mm. Sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just so thankful that's part of the worship experience. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think prayer, just like we have uh, songs that are prayers in of themselves, when we have prayers in our services, we want people actually participating in those prayers. I'm Mm -hmm. not just observing Mm -hmm. this man saying, his thoughts before God, but uh, he is my mouthpiece as we as a congregation pray to our God.
1: Yeah, and I I think one of the ways that is um, captured that sadly is not as prominent in a lot of worship services nowadays is the corporate amen at the end of the prayer. Hmm. You know, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And then the thunder from the congregation, amen, yes, that is what I pray. This man has represented my heart and my thoughts, and that's worth working on recovering. <laughs> <You> know, <and laughs> even just instructing the congregation. Yeah. If, if the words of this man and this preacher or this song leader, worship leader has expressed the sentiments of your heart, the prayers of your heart, say amen vocally. Yes. It's yeah. one of the ways we enter into the prayers that are led on our behalf. I
0: would love to re- recover that in our singing as well. Uh, after song. if you're a church that doesn't sing, amens. Sure, you you, you sure better well say them. Yeah, if you believe what you're saying.
1: Yeah, right. I, I'm less I'm less uh, hard nosed on that, but but it's a good practice.
0: I say amen after the songs. So, what's the place of prayer in Christian singing? It, it has a place in Christian worship. Uh, what particular is the place in in singing? Well, many many of the psalms, for example, are prayers,
1: and. Um, Many of them were prayers set to music. Um, so, presumably, if if we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, some of the content of those those uh, texts are going to be in the form of prayers or petitions of various kinds, and they run the full gamut. You know, so you have musical, rhythmic psalms that ascribe praise to the Lord you have musical psalms that are um songs of lament and you have musical psalms that are uh asking making petitions asking god for various things to be present in our lives and um to go on in our our lives and so i i assume as prayer material becomes the subject matter for psalms and songs, and things like that, well, it should become part of our singing in the worship of God. We sing, many of what, much of what we sing mm. are not just declarative statements about who God is, they're prayers to Him. Hmm.
0: One of the, the songs we're actually going to discuss in a few minutes is, is Come Thou Fount, and there's a line in there that says, tune my heart to sing Thy praise. Hmm. I think of that idea of tuning our hearts. So often as, as Christians, we, we forget how much we need God, how much we need Christ in our daily life well the, the the habit of pleading for him of bringing our needs to him kind of has a uh, it has a dual effect one effect is you're actually bringing those needs to the Lord but the other is you're training yourself to need the Lord more
1: yes yeah I, I think that's exactly right um, I think that um, it would be very hard for me to to uh, worship God without praying to him to help me to worship God, me mm. to sing to him without asking him to, to, to bring me into the proper frame and spirit. Mm. And so we, we need prayer for that purpose.
0: Yeah, we, we, we want to tune our hearts to be dependent on Christ.
1: Yeah. yeah, and to look to him. Yeah, for sure. I agree.
0: How do you think Christians might be helped if they understand themselves to be, to be praying when they sing?
1: Well, they would be understanding themselves. I say
0: that I say that, Alex, because it's often I've been singing a song for years before I realize, oh, this this song is actually pleading with God, or this song is actually seeking, you know, invocation. This song is is yeah, yeah. is, is uh, uh, a petition in and of itself. I can so off sing a song for years and forget that. Uh, why do you think it's important that Christians conscientiously be aware that they are praying as they're singing?
1: Well, I'm not just singing a tune or humming along or something like that. I'm, I'm engaging with God, as you said in the title of that David Peterson book. I'm communicating with the living God by song, which again, very thankful to him that that is one of the ways he's prescribed he wants to be worshiped, is through Christians singing to him. And so i should I should recognize in my heart and in my mind these words that I'm going to sing. I'm saying them to God. It's one of the reasons why we should be very careful about the songs that we sing. Give hmm. a lot of thought, I think, to the the text of the songs because these are these are the words we are putting on the lips of the entire congregation in the gathered assembly of God's people for God's worship. Those words matter you know, hmm. it's, it's, it' the 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 we don't think enough about this. I mean, those who are responsible for choosing the songs, whether that's the song leader or the pastor, and pastors out there, it should be you and your song leader, but but whoever's responsible for picking the songs, you have a golden opportunity. It's the only opportunity you're going to get all week to put words in people's mouths. Yes. It's important that we, we reckon with that stewardship. And so recognizing that, I mean, it, we're coming to God, we're engaging with him, and we are all of us together using these words in interaction with God.
0: Yeah, I think one of the helpful ways, you know, you you think of how we're teaching people how to pray, Uh, the song, A Christian's Daily Prayer, that Sovereign Grace put out a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one of the choruses, I think it's in the second verse, says, let every effort of my life display the matchless worth of Christ, Mm -hmm. make me a living sacrifice, be glorified today. Alex, it's happened probably a dozen times just in my personal devotions where I, I go to God in prayer and I just, I don't have the words to say. I yeah, don't. That's right. That's right. And I and oftentimes in those situations, I try to think of scripture. I think of petitions in the Bible. Well, that tune comes to my, has come to my mind over a dozen times of just a, what, a, what a thing to pray each morning. Yes. And I think this is a way we can instruct our people how to come before God in prayer.
1: Yes. Oh, no, that's absolutely right. Um, I I think um, that one of the great uses of hymns and songs is to train people in their use of language. Hmm. The the sentiments, if they're well-written songs, these are sentiments that are appropriate for me as a believer to make my own in my relationship with God. Again, another reason why the texts of the songs we sing, I don't mean texts of the Bible, but the text of the printed song, is something we, we we want the people in our church to adopt the posture that this song uh, commends and, and and conveys.
0: Well, Alex, the hymn of this week is Come Thou Fount by Robert Robinson. This is a favorite among many evangelicals. And Robert Robinson lived a very interesting life. He's quite an intriguing figure. He was born in 1735 in Norfolk, England, and he lived from 1735 to 1790. And he was born actually into a non-Christian household, or at, least he, at least he wasn't raised with any sort of religious affiliation. Well, uh, working in his early 20s and, or, or teenage years as a, as a barber in London, he was converted hearing the preaching of George Whitfield. And this would have been during one of uh, the first Great Awakening, <laughs> and from there on, he 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 went into ministry, and he, he went on to preach in various dissenter contexts, so so non- Anglican contexts. And early on, he was ministering to Calvinistic Methodists, but he went on actually to shepherd a Baptist congreg- congregation in Cambridge. In 1761, and that church thrived under Robinson's ministry. So it, it grew from a few dozen people in the early 1760s to about six or eight six to eight hundred people on a Sunday morning and Sunday evening in the late 1770s. So I, I,
1: I'll just mention: I think, if I'm not mistaken, that church was St. Andrew Street Baptist Church, which is the same church pastored by Robert Hall. Hmm. And what year uh, would that be? Excuse me? What
0: years would that be, Robert Hall?
1: Robert Hall would have been the uh, early 1800s. Okay. And Charles Spurgeon attended that church as a 15-, 16-year-old hmm. uh, kid, was a Sunday school teacher in that church, and eventually uh, became a lay preacher through the Lay Preachers Association hosted by that
0: church and was actually called to his hmm. first church at Water Beach. I think that's the same church. Well... Sadly the story didn't really end well for for Robinson. Uh, he showed a great deal of sympathy to the, the popular Socinian theology of his day. And there's actually some debate over this, but, but but by the end of his life, it's uncertain whether or not Robinson ultimately maintained an Orthodox view of the Trinity. Uh, there's kind of di- d- source different sources and different opinions on that topic. Uh, one of my professors, Michael Haken, uh, believes that he actually died a regenerate man, and, hmm. and uh, maybe his, his unorthodox thinking was, was a reflection of, of some sort of madness towards the end of his life.
1: You, you know uh, the history of hymnody better than I do. I, I've just heard this. It sounds apocryphal, mm-hmm. but maybe it's true. That you know, he, So we're about to talk about Come Thou Fount, a great hymn by, by Robinson, and, of course, it has that line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Mm-hmm. And, and the way, you know, the, what's often said very poignantly about that song is that Robinson himself did wander. Mm-hmm. you know. And I've heard it said that, that he was in some setting, and I don't know, that song was being sung or a woman was humming that song or singing that song or something, and he said to her, and she like asked him, have you ever heard of that song? And he says, I'm the author of that song. And it was said, I guess, I think I heard this, that he, he said something like, you know, I, I would do anything yeah. to, to feel the way that I did when I wrote that song. You ever heard that story? Yeah, I don't know yeah, if that's true yeah, or not. No,
0: that, that's, that's precisely what he said. It's a, I would do anything to, to feel that sentiment again that I felt when I, when wow. I wrote that song. How about that? Um. So it, it, it definitely sheds a light on the hymn. Oh, yeah. But obviously, his most popular hymn was Come Thou Fount," which was written just a few years after his conversion in the 1750s. And the song to our topic today, it is a prayer. It is a plea for God, uh, the fount of every blessing, to renew the saint's affection for him. It's a song that calls for God to tune my heart to sing thy praise. And it celebrates the, pre- the precious blood of Christ spilled for sinners as Jesus sought to save sinners. And the last verse, which is probably most memorable, the last verse cries out for God to keep, seal, and bind the saint to the Lord. And perhaps the most memorable line is the line we, we've already discussed a little bit, but prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal mm. it for thy mm-hmm. courts above. Alex, what are your thoughts on this song? I think it's an excellent song. Um, the lines
1: are filled with content as, as you read through the song. Um, you know, the, the, the um, Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed, his precious blood, that idea of, of the love of God moving him to send his son, Jesus seeking me like a lost lamb, and in order to achieve my rescue giving his blood as as payment, the way that theme is captured is, is so rich. I hope we don't miss that uh, when we sing it. Um,
0: he makes reference to an Ebenezer in this song. What do you think that's about? Yeah, Ebenezer was
1: uh, a stone of remembrance, mm. like a memorial stone or something like that. And that line's a beautiful line that uh, he raises his Ebenezer at a certain point in his journey. He's saying, this is, this is a stone of remembrance, I've come this far by the grace of Christ and the power of Christ, and I hope to make it all the way you know, safely to arrive at home. What do you think of that line, O oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be? Do you think of yourself as a, a debtor to grace hmm. or owing a debt to grace? I, I, I ask that because uh, there's another famous song, A Debtor to Mercy Alone, yep. very famous hymn. I've also heard, I think it's John Piper that talks about how we should avoid the debtor's ethic and all mm-hmm. of that, the idea that I owe God something is not the way in which the Bible normally speaks about our lives. Have you ever thought about that line?
0: I think it's a helpful image. I mean, I, I think we could find examples of uh, uh, Scripture giving warrant to that sort of ethic. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's helpful to think of grace as not just this gushy, ethereal reality that just makes me, fills me up with good stuff, but grace is something that's like a fetter. And maybe not everybody, you know, both our listeners don't know what a fetter is. Yeah, sure. uh, but <laughs> a, a fetter is, is, is something that you is on a chain that binds you to something, yes. like in, you know, in like a prison or something like that. Um, well, all bondage prison, you know, imagery out. But thinking of grace binding me to the Lord or binding me to the life I'm supposed to live, I think yes. more Christians should think of grace like that.
1: Yeah, and, and also I suppose another mistaken notion of grace would be like, just unlimited credit that's
0: advanced to you or something like that? Well, and, and I would say, too, uh, about grace, you know, he says, L- let that grace like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. The idea is, should you not have that grace, you're going to do nothing but wander. And you're going to be yes. far away from any uh, uh, life in Christ. So I think you need... The binding grace of the Lord Jesus in your life.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. My, my. I just, just thinking out loud. I, I don't quibble with that second line of the third verse. Let that grace now, like a fetter bind my wandering heart to Thee. That's, that's beautiful. And we're even to some degree said to be slaves of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, due loss of Christ. It's that, that idea that I, that I owe
0: grace. Well, what do you think? What do you think of? Um, you know, the the, the woman who washed Jesus' feet, for she loved much. I think of what, why did she wash? She, her feet? she
1: loved much because she was forgiven much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, what led her to so, uh, you know, some would say preposterously lay herself prostrate before the Lord and cry on his feet and wash her feet with her, his feet with her, with her hair and her tears. Uh, it was just such a spectacle to see. Well, what what led her to do that it was because she had just this overwhelming sense of debt and gratitude to the lord jesus and i think that's a good thing
1: yeah i, I would say probably more the latter less the former more gratitude less debt she she i
0: i, I don't want to i think f- there's a way in which we can use the word debt where it's not like yeah. and if i don't pay that debt <laughs> <you're> <laughs> yeah exa- ex- out. Ex- exactly yeah. Yeah. i i don't think that, that
1: that would be precisely the sentiment i'd want yeah. to Avoid the Lord is not settling debts, yes. right? It's not who I, I can never repay the debt of love I owe. Yeah, you know, um, and even that that song, which I want to say, is that when I survey the wonders cross, I can't remember. But Lord, here I give myself away. It's mm-hmm. all that I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can never repay the debt. I'm not I'm not paying a debt here. I'm just giving my life to you because I love you and I'm thankful to you. But I think there's a qualified sense the way you've just qualified in the last two minutes. In which I I think it's perfectly fine to to sing that language. I just thought I I'd, I'd quibble with it a little bit.
0: Brother, you got any other thoughts on the, on this hymn or or things that come to your attention?
1: I think it's a very good song to sing at the very start of the service. Mm-hmm. Obviously, come now, found of every blessing, mm-hmm. to my heart to sing thy grace. It's saying, Lord, prepare me for worship in that first line. If I've not been ready, walking in this morning, as understandably, lots of people are not prepared when they walk into to worship. Something's distracted them. Life's been hard. Kids are squirming. My mind goes off there for a minute. What a great song to sing at the start of the service. Also a great song to sing, sing, I think, uh, right before the preaching of Mm. of God's Word,
0: um, calling upon God's Spirit to come Mm. and to bring blessing. It's interesting. Brian Chappell, in his book, Christ-Centered Worship, he includes this hymn as a song of repentance. Interesting. Well, yeah. it would fit as well. Yeah, that that that's exactly right. In the context
1: before or after a prayer of confession or assurance of pardon, yeah. So it would fit. I think in, in a number of places, in some limited context, could fit as a good song of response after mm. after the preaching of God's word. So mm. I I think it's a wonderful song, and I think musically speaking, you have a lot of options here. I've heard this song done in so many different within the context of so many different genres of music. I've heard country versions of this song, folk versions of this song, high church versions of this song. Um, there's just so many different ways, I think, musically.
0: Alex, considering Robinson's legacy, considering, you know, let's just say it was more clear that he died uh, of a Sicinian persuasion. He denied uh, the orthodox view of the Trinity. Should we let something like that affect uh, a wonderful hymn like this and whether or not we sing it in a church?
1: So you're assuming the song itself is a good song, completely yes. orthodox? Uh, no. Uh, well, I, I think it's, it illuminates the song in some ways to know what the meanings of the author were. I, I, when I can, when it's well-known, I guess, I'd want to know what the author himself thought. But no, I, I don't think that if, if Robinson, I hope he did not, but if he died outside the Lord, that wouldn't keep me from singing a song that he had written if indeed the sentiments of the song were, were faithful to Scripture, edifying to the people of God, no, that would not keep me from singing it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. In the case of Robinson and this song, I think it's instructive. Mm. I think his story, his personal story, um, brings a certain level of power to the words that maybe we need to consider uh, greater, that, that hopefully he did not wander to the ruin of his soul, But if he wandered, even the author of this hymn, he he felt it, and he did wander, we too can wander, and it would help us to mean the words of the song Hmm.
0: uh, much more. Hmm. Well, friends, we commend this hymn to you, but we're out of time for now. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me.